The world is ever changing and sometimes we just need a helping hand. Hey, it's one more about the Rama. New apps here, new tech there, it's all very exciting. But it's nice to have something you can count on. Like insurance from State Farm. ¿Tienes preguntas sobre tu seguro? Con State Farm puedes llamar a tu agente o conectar con ellos. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like Wrestling with Freddie. With me, Freddie Prince Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. It's the Custard TV podcast, that podcast where Matt and myself have a guest on who is normally Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Hello, guys. To talk about the latest, greatest, best and worst on TV this week. This week, we are discussing the BBC's swanky new um, submarine drama, Vigil, then ITV's sober look at the Stephen Lawrence case, the updated Stephen, which is airing in full on Britbox, in full on the ITV hub, or on Monday nights on ITV. Then there is um, The Hunt for a Killer, BBC Four's new Scandi, True Life Crime, and The Only Murders in the Building, Steve Martin, Martin Short, and of course, when you think Martin Short and Steve Martin, who else do you think of? That's right, Selena Gomez. They're all together in the only murder. Oh, yeah, of course. Is there a celebrity, Sarah, that you have an irrational hate for? You can't explain it, but you just, you've never, you can't stand them. Gary's uh, with Miranda yes. and Sting. So if Ooh. he was ever caught in a lift with Miranda Hart or Sting, that I think he might take, you know, matters into his own hands. Miranda Hart is a good shout. For me, it would be Ricky Gervais. But I think there's actually plenty of reasons to hate Ricky Gervais. But he has got a face that I couldn't get tired of punching, that is for sure. Even the original Office, before we knew him as a as a sort of personality, you couldn't even watch that. Oh, especially the original Office. Especially. Oh, okay. <laughs> Matt, you're too nice. You don't really... Have... I've got a list. I've probably got a book. I know. I could... Well, Sarah, do you know Amal Rajan, who sometimes re- hosts The One Show? Yes, I do. I find him really smug, and uh, he's, yes. I'm really off-put every time he's on. He's done. He's been on House of Games twice. Oh, did yeah. he win and come back? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I know what you mean. It's, yeah. You know what I mean. It's that sort of smugness, really. But no, generally, I don't think I have as much. Um, but I've got loads. People will hate me for hate saying this. I just cannot stomach Claudia Winkleman. I just cannot. I get, I get that. I don't agree, but I, I understand. This is going to be quite ironic coming from me, but she seems like someone who's a bit much. <laughs> Do you know what I just realised as well? Because we've got a, a new look. We're not a physical new look yet for the site and stuff. But, but we both said, and to me specifically, try and be a bit more positive. <laughs> try and be a bit more Wait, this is like a cleanse. And I've started it by saying, Tess Daly's another one. I can't Yeah, I, I get yeah. Te- I mean, I, I agree with you more on Tess Daly when you said Claudia. Tess just seems a little bit useless to me. I never really yeah. got... 
I think she just got lucky getting that hosting gig and then has just coasted ever since. I mean, Paddy McGuinness, there's nothing he won't host, is there? And you can't blame... I, I, I was thinking this. Who in the BBC has Paddy McGuinness got pictures of? Because they, they, they've, they've had him take over two of their biggest properties in Top Gear and, and Question of Sport. Yeah. And he's hosted, like, their big shiny floor... You know, talent show this year. I mean, he, he's harmless enough, but he he just doesn't come. I mean, what is his brand? You he's, know, yeah, he's just very ubiquitous, isn't he? As well. Yeah. Would you say, Luke, that you know Likey? <laughs> that is an intro to a podcast. No Lukey, no Likey. <laughs> Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. This is the podcast then this week. I've told you what shows, and I think it's only right we start with the one that the BBC has really championed. Vigil has been so heavily promoted, you could not not know that this new submarine crime drama with Saran Jones at the helm was coming to the BBC. Imagine me, if you will. I can't say I just don't have that sort of imagination. <laughs> oh, dangling. 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 <laughs> now it's gone to a weird place. Life is full of surprises. Some good, some not so much. Hola, it's Honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success. Pero we can use some help. Oh yes, la buena ayuda is welcome. Y si pasa algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a State Farm agent you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals plus they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs especially when those unexpected turns come up it's the personalized attention you can count on aprende más en es.statefarm.com como un buen vecino state farm está ahí <laughs> dangling precariously from a helicopter over a massive nuclear submarine in the middle of the North Sea. And you have to get from said helicopter to submarine, almost as if you're James Bond. This is your, it's in the line of duty slot. It's made by the line of duty production company for Mm. reasons. It is about excitement and heroism and daring do, and it's tense and it's exciting. And it really is the essential thriller. Serious spoiler which cannot be avoided and is a very essential part of this story, is that this submarine, it gets entangled, or we think it looks like it gets entangled with trawler and fishermen are going to die. Martin Compton, uh, with no waistcoat on, is Petty Officer Craig Burke, who gets a proper bollocking for daring to suggest that the trawler men need help. He's dismissed from his post on deck. Uh, Basically, the, the superiors are leaving those men to drown. He goes back to his cabin where he suddenly dies. And all this happens in the first 10 minutes of the episode. It is the formula that we're sort of half expecting. And yet at the same time, I was surprised. So all credit to the writer, Tom Edge, you know, I was like, wow, Martin Compton's dead. Wow. So, yeah, it actually it really works for me, even though it is a time worn essential part of a, of a drama these days. So is it just a a tragic, simple overdose? Oh, no. It turns out that Craig Burke was a whistleblower 
um, and he's got um, videos and files about the submarine um, and about the um, security risks to the the Navy in general, I guess. Ultimately, by the end of episode two, it feels like that this guy is the most unlucky guy because it looks like he might have been killed three times in a sort of Agatha Christie style, like everybody wanted this guy dead. But why? What secrets does he have? What's on his laptop? This is the essential mystery. Matt, I sort of gave my views um, in that sort of weird 10-year podcast. It sort of came up and people know how I feel if they heard that podcast. I will elaborate on my views because I know that's why people come here. But what did you think? Yeah, I mean... I, I just found it a bit dull, if I'm honest. I didn't dislike it. it. It's kept my attention, but I mean, as you said, apart from the the sort of the, the submarine element, the, there's nothing really differentiating this from a, 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 a sort of um, a procedural, really, that that we've seen before. I found Saran Jones's performance very standoffish. And I've watched sort of one and a half episodes just to sort of give get an idea of the direction it goes in. The supporting cast, your Adam Jameses, your Patterson Josephs, they're very much don't get under our, our shoes here. You're here to do your job, do your job and leave, that sort of thing. And and Sean Evans is sort of like the kindly one who tries to help her and, and I, I understand there's a bit of a romantic entanglement there as well and then you've got rose leslie doing the investigation on the ground and 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 her sort of complicated relationship with with the the amy character i i like the sense of the claustrophobia i think that that was the the element that that i quite enjoyed her anxieties about being on this submarine you know the job that this submarine does that it's sort of you know the the nuclear the it's a nuclear submarine at the end of the day. So I enjoyed that element of it. But I think, as you said, Luke, the, the characters are quite thinly drawn, and I, and I would agree with that. I, w- I will just repeat what I thought, just in case people <laughs> don't want to listen. Elaborate to on it as well, podcast. a little bit. I think the BBC played a masterstroke in the advertising of this, in the promotion of this. I think it's a very smart and shrewd move to champion the fact that it comes from the Line of Duty production company. And I think it's also a smart move to do that when they know that the first character to die is Martin Comston because he's a big name, big face, recognisable. You don't kill him off, surely. And I did find the claustrophobia on board Vigil interesting and the way they had to manoeuvre things. And I was thinking, this was filmed both before and after a pandemic. And how does that work? I sort of was fascinated by that. But in terms of, as you say, and as I said before, if you took away the submarine element of it and put this in, put this in any other setting, it would just be a very bog-standard whodunit. The characters here don't just feel thinly drawn to me. They're just so aggressive. I couldn't tell you. I know I've only watched the first episode, but Saran Jones just comes off very cold, I don't want to spend any time with Amy Silmer. She's really not a nice character to be around. I'm not intrigued by her. I'm not interested in her backstory, despite the amount of flashbacks that they try and show. I don't think the writing did a good enough job of explaining, really, why she was the only one to end up on vigil when she's clearly the wrong candidate. She suffers from claustrophobia. She's going through a trauma. She's 
you know, that it uses all those same devices, so we assume that her family and daughter were killed after after a car accident that ended up in a lake or a river. So there doesn't seem to be anything new here. And I just, I can't ever tell really, as long as I've done this podcast, as long as I've been watching television, I can never really tell whether I'm watching wooden performances or performances that are bad because of the script. But I thought Saran Jones, Sean Evans, who I've always liked, I thought they were both terrible. I thought Patterson Joseph, all he was missing was a cat to be stroking every time <laughs> he sat in his captain's chair. I just found it really clunky. I felt like it was something that the BBC would have made in 2010. I recorded it for my folks who, like you, Sarah, were just, they weren't looking at it past the excitement and the claustrophobia and the, the thriller aspects. But you know that I need characters. I really. didn't, but I, you know, I'm not as much like that as you, Luke. You know, yeah, like, yeah, I, like I, you watched the capture, for example. That I is get, very I get sucked into a good story, but I didn't really get. I, I, I wasn't really taken with any of the the elements here. You know, I, I think it's one of those as well where we didn't really know that much about the Martin Comston character before he died. I was going to say that, but I always say that. And I, I know, so I thought I'd yeah. say it instead. <laughs> I didn't know if it was allowed to be said because it's one of my things, but yeah. how can we feel empathy for somebody who is moaning one minute and dead the next? There's no, yeah. Although the only shock really comes from it being the actor Martin Comston, who we do see in video footage on laptops and stuff. I won't do this every week, but to go back to Mayor of Easttown, the shock that it was Erin at the end only happened because we'd spent time with that character and I liked her. I liked knowing about her saving up for her son's ear surgery. I liked her going out for this date that she hadn't had for years that then was people being bullied. I felt like that was a a character that we invested time in and that the the story introduced us to properly. Martin Comston's there for five minutes saying, you know, we should do more to help these trawler men who are being dragged under and then he's dead. And it, it has he had zero impact to me. If we are tying this to line of duty, line of duty do a good job of introducing you know, they will often kill a character within the first two episodes, you know, who's played by a big actor. Mm. Who, but, but they've, they've had those episodes job. to grow, yeah. 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 And you get or to know them. The first step, like a Jason Watkins or a Jessica Rain, you know, their characters yeah. died in the first, or Danny Mays, their characters died in the first episode. But we knew who they were. But we knew who they were. And mm. I, I know we've got, obviously got, you know, that very almost James Bondy scene with the with the trawler and, and, and that sort of thing. And that's meant, but even that didn't really... No, it, it left you cold. It all seemed to be sort of rushing towards us introducing Saran Jones. It, it didn't grab me. None of these story elements grabbed me. You know, I agree with Luke in terms of you need that one character to, to hang your hat on as well. But, you know, the, the story didn't grab me either. And I think, as I said, you know, the way it was shot, the claustrophobia, that was all intriguing. But I, I just didn't think the, the story was that strong either. I hate to tell you guys, my dad is a bit of a boat geek and he tells me that that's a massive submarine. You need the ceilings down by at least a couple of feet because that's, oh, well, that's not even correct. <laughs> no, I definitely can't watch it. <laughs> I so wonder if they just... have a submarine expert and maybe your dad could volunteer if they do visual too. I think he'd like that. <laughs> I'm disappointed that you didn't like it. I mean, yeah, you, you are quite right. The characters are thin, but I think the performances are good, especially... Um, uh, Pat and Joseph, you know, like his 
terror at the thought of uh, being stalked by a submarine that his team can't see. I thought that was palpable. I thought that was really good. Executive Officer Prentice, is that, um, what's his name? Adam Adam James. Adam Adam James. James. I thought he was great, but he was, you know, definitely the campy villain. I really liked it. And I think that at the moment, the tension is there. The tight plotting is there. I'm a little bit concerned because I know what Line of Duty is like, um, that that may all unravel. But if they manage to keep that on course, I think it, it could be a really good show. Oh, good boating reference. Well, I was going to say it's going along at a cracking pace at about 20 knots per hour. I'm really but... glad you didn't say that. Well <laughs> yeah, me too. It's a bit much, that. isn't it? Yeah, well done. <laughs> well done for not saying that and then saying it and then choosing not to say it. I appreciate it. <laughs> Next up, Matt is going to walk us through ITV's first drama of the of uh, the autumn. Steve Coogan in Stephen. This is a continuation of the the Stephen Lawrence story. There was a, a, a film, I think, nineteen ninety nine uh, on yeah. ITV called The Murder of Stephen Lawrence. That was written and directed by uh, Paul Greengrass, who's one of the executive producers on on Stephen. Uh, interestingly, Jeb Mercurio also an exec producer on this. I'm not quite sure why. Oh, they've yeah. not shouted about that at all, no, have they? No, no, no. The, the other connection is that uh, Hugh Porsche is uh, playing Neville Lawrence and did in the original film as well. This is set in 2006, and um, the main focus, is, as Luke mentioned, is Steve Coogan, who plays DCI Clive Driscoll. We first meet him when he's clearing out um, an old office and finds loads of case files which all pertain to the original case of the Stephen Lawrence murder. Looking through these files he makes the decision to reinvestigate the case look at the evidence his sort of rationale behind this is you know that that he doesn't feel the police did right by Stephen and you know poking holes in a lot of, of what's been said retesting all the forensic evidence making the people who were at the top making the decisions aware that maybe we didn't do as much as we could and then this is sort of counterbalanced by the story of the two parents who have separated in the subsequent years neville who goes to and from jamaica and the mum doreen who he is played by charlene white who is still campaigning for justice is still filing complaints that she didn't feel her son's murder was rightfully investigated and the first episode here ends with driscoll meeting the two parents and saying that you know we found this new evidence now we found you know forensics linking stephen to the suspects and and this is the breakthrough that you've been looking for i feel like sometimes you guys make me watch programs that are going to be sad and they're gonna make me cross and i think this is one of them i did like it but i was a little bit i did like steve coogan's performance as well I, i wasn't expecting to like it and i can't remember the last time or if we've ever seen him in a pure dramatic role you guys with your encyclopedic knowledge may be able to tell I mean, me otherwise. The closest thing I can think of is the film Philomena which he was involved yeah. in. That's, yeah. that's nothing on telly springs no, to mind. Nothing that I can think of from 2008 um, that actually I... Yeah, sunshine! <laughs> I just picked 2008 randomly and he was in a, a serious role on the BBC in a, in a sort of light drama called Sunshine in 2008. Oh, I, I love being me he sometimes. Was, a, was he a gambling addict in that? Yes. A bin um, man. Oh, okay. God, I love being me sometimes. It only, 
It does but when you said often. 2008, I yeah. did the same thing. Yeah. Why am you I just really... broken? I wondered what was wrong with you shouting sunshine in the middle of a podcast. <laughs> it's our nickname for each other. I was 11 when Stephen Lawrence died, so I, I remember quite a bit of it, but I am a white woman growing up in a small town and I was protected from a lot of this kind How of thing. How dare you be that person? I know, it's very unfashionable. Yeah. Um, I'm really doing my best. Right. It was a sensational case and, and when it wasn't ever properly investigated and nobody um, was ever prosecuted for it, nobody ever did any jail time for it, it was obviously, you know, it was racist and corrupt and, and it, it, it was dreadful the findings was that the Met Police were incompetent and institutionally racist and those are just facts and it's just it's unbearable to have to deal with and then this program gives me details like he ran 130 yards with a severed Mm. artery because he was so scared that the attackers were going to come back I mean, these are things that I could do with not having in my brain. <laughs> but it's privilege for me to be able to go, I don't want to learn that. Yeah. Um, I, I found it very strange and quite uncomfortable with Steve Coogan, who does genuinely, this, this Clive Driscoll character does genuinely seem to want to do right. I mean, his other colleagues won't touch it with a barge pole. And I was thinking, is he brave? Is he stupid? Is he reckless with his career prospects? What's going on? I think actually it is a genuine sense of duty to a family who never got anything like justice. And it's so crazy that like the word on the street, like the next day was that everyone knew who the killers were, but Mm. they were never brought to justice. There was no forensic evidence taken. You know, all of these terrible mistakes and obstructions, you know, like... Um, intended obstructions in the case so that these these men were never arrested. Um, I I thought it was really strange to me that Clive Driscoll is kind of like, I don't know, maybe I'm I'm looking too hard at this and maybe I'm looking at it with a 2021 vision, but is he a bit of a white saviour in this? Because him and all of his team are white men and it just looked really odd to me. But that is for historical reasons, you know, it's not it's not going to be a casting choice. Um, and then when um, Theo, the young police officer, is the punching bag to sort of prove um, that the attack was sustained and brutal and it took a long time because that's a, a key piece of evidence that's been yeah. brushed over. Um, it's horrible. It's watching this, this only young black man in the whole of the police force, it seems, in this in this episode getting you know like fake I punching thought that kicks. scene was so well done as well the way it, they shot it and the, well, yeah. the way it was edited it was so well done it really was incredible and very difficult to watch and i liked how the storyline of the parents was about faith and trust so stephen's dad neville has lost his faith in god and lost his faith in even living in the uk because he tries to escape to jamaica as often as he can and um, his mum has got no faith in the police when Clive goes to his dad and says, you know, we've got fibres, we've finally got some forensic evidence 13 years after this happened. He sort of pats him on the back and says, do the best you can. Um, but he goes to Doreen, the mum, and, and she says trust needs to be earned. Yeah, I liked it, but it was it was hard going, obviously. It was going to yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I can say it any more eloquently. I think you have summed it up perfectly well. I echo all of your sentiments. 
what it made me do, and perhaps this is the the best thing that could come out of it, because I as well was was young. Not not. I don't think I was quite as young. How old were you when it happened? Uh, eleven. 11. And I was... We Matthew. would have been ten. We would have been, yeah. Oh, okay. All right, Nine, then, yeah. 90, 93. 93. Yeah. yeah. That would have been easy, Matt, if I'd remembered. <laughs> if like, yeah. um, you would have remembered how old you were. Yeah. But again, it just shows you how maybe if I was ten and this happened in 2021, I would be more aware of it. And I, I've spent my whole life since then sort of being aware of this name and vaguely aware of the, of the key important parts of it but it never penetrated again my conscience really I just was sort of aware of it on the periphery and this drama does a good job of telling you everything you need to know and making you want to learn more about Doreen Lawrence about what went on and it made me want to seek out as these dramas often do the real people the, uh, there was a big uh, BBC documentary a couple of years ago that I will now seek out and try and find that looked at how this affected Britain that I really want to look at my only caveat would be that this story is so powerful and of course the drama for what it is has to be real it has to be played down and I just didn't feel that Steve Coogan did that much of a powerful job I spent a lot of the first 15 minutes just being so hyper aware that it was Steve Coogan and I know that's my problem and not his and he is about as far away from any comedic iteration that he's ever been he's playing as you say a straight role I didn't buy him somehow in a way, I think the problem with all these ITV true crime dramas of late, they've all taken this, what some would say is a sensible and correct thing to do, which is to not sensationalise these things. They happen to real people. We've got to tell them, as is the same with the, the, with the Confession and Manhunt and all these. They're all downplayed and they all are based in reality, which is what I always bang on that I like. But they, they the police investigation side didn't really grip me as much as the stuff you talk about with the black policeman and the Doreen Lawrence and, and everything that the drama did I would prefer to see and learn about in reality rather than watch it as a drama because as a drama it didn't it didn't the performances particularly from Steve Coogan didn't grip me and I just it's done its job in wanting me to be more educated about this important piece a British crime uh, and a British history, but as a drama, it didn't really gel all well for me, if I'm honest. I agree with you that it took me a while, you know, to forget it was Steve Coogan I was watching, but I think yeah. by the end, I think I did. And and sort of, I, I, I would disagree with you in a way about the, the police investigation of it. I found that all very fascinating. I have enjoyed these, these dramas the true life ones which have just been about police officers who are good at their jobs so yeah. we had there's been Manhunt. a lot of them though hasn't well, we, that? yeah i mean the ones that i'm thinking of mainly are manhunt which you know was all about the investigation and the forensic detail there yeah and also honor last year with keely hawes which again was about a police officer who wanted to do her job 
and and get the truth, even though there were other people in the force who were questioning why she was spending so much time yeah. on, on doing the. And I and think I like it, the nice little unit they built up. There yeah, as well. and I yeah. think this this has got that. I mean, to be fair, other than the Clive Driscoll, you don't really know many of the other officers here. But I think. I, I thought the element of the police work and, and, you know, the scene we've gone back to with the, the young black officer, I, I think, you know, that was part of it. And, and convincing the forensics department to do all their attacks, as Sarah said, the, the, the big thing throughout all the reports had been that this was a brief attack. One of Clive's big things is to say, no, hang on a minute, this this has been sort of doctrine throughout all these investigations, throughout all these reviews, and actually, let's look at it, let's go back to basics, let's go back to the start, and I think that all worked really well. And I think everyone here has got a real desire to tell this story. I mean, Clive Driscoll as well is is a consultant, I believe, mm, um, is, in yeah. the production as well, so there's that sense of authenticity there, and I, I really liked it and, it, and it has stayed with me, so I will be continuing. Will you be continuing with this, either of you? I will. I think it's it's like Luke said, it's, it's something that it feels like we should already know, like there's a gap in our, in our knowledge in about our knowledge. really important parts of UK history. And I think, like you say, it's a really good way into it because I think, I think I would more likely watch a drama about something than watch a documentary about it. Maybe I just need that one step away from reality yeah. because it's, some of these things are just so horrific. It's really hard unless you have a, a prior interest. It's really hard to pick up a, a serious documentary about a terrible injustice. And I will too. I mean, I mean, to fill in the gaps and to to fill. I mean, it's it's not the Pembrokeshire murders where I just that just felt like I I really didn't connect with, and. It's not quite up there with Manhunt. It's somewhere in between. But by the time we get to the end, it is interesting. You know what? I think this might have been better. Manhunt won me over because ITV made, I thought, the savvy decision to play this over three nights. And mm -hmm. I think that would have worked better. I agree yet. with you. I agree with you. I, I wonder why they have stripped it over three. And as you say... You can watch it all, you know, if you are so inclined, if it's on IT. It's on the Hub as well as on BritBox. On the Hub and BritBox. Yeah. Hub is, yeah, is going to have ads on it and it's going to be the Hub. So bear that in mind. <laughs> build some momentum, build some conversation, because sadly, I haven't seen much chatter about this in comparison to things like Vigil and MasterChef and all the sort of banal things that are on. We should be talking about this more. So it's quite fascinating that they've decided to do it Monday nights at nine. Next up, I've got to talk about a show that I watched at midnight last night. We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. JP Morgan Chase Bank, NM member FDIC. Deck your home with Blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Free, 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 free,
free samples and free shipping. Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high quality window treatments with no showroom mockups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. On the iPlayer, this is uh, BBC Four's new Scandi Swedish drama, The Hunt for a Killer which is all available on the iPlayer at the moment, should you want to watch it. This is similar to The Investigation. Uh, so this is a true crime. This happened. It begins in 1989 when a 10-year-old girl disappears from a small Swedish community. She is, as you might expect, to hunt this missing girl in shoes. She is found in woodland nearly 10 days later, wrapped in a black bin bag with dog hair around her as well of course as it's 1989 dna and things like that are quite in the primitive stages they haven't got an awful lot to go on then we move forward on to i believe 1993 uh, when a 90 year old is beaten up and killed in a home and they arrest a guy for that in the meantime the main police investigator has got nowhere with identifying the killer of this young 10-year-old girl, but does get these occasional phone calls of somebody saying how lonely they are and how frustrated they are, and uh, that leads them to a train station to try and track this person down. There's also a prostitute that is killed that they think might have a link to it. I was almost immediately uh, into this I uh, like you know the style of it the missing girl is already quite compelling you know where where is she who has her and things but the more it went on I found myself getting tied up in knots I didn't recognize who people were like the main police people I didn't understand connections between people some of it felt really disjointed and off and I don't know whether this is down to the fact that this is obviously a, a well-known case in its in its local country and we're sort of coming at it with fresh eyes and we don't really understand the intricacies of the plot but I actually thought it was messy I I couldn't follow it I thought at times they were doing that thing that we've come to expect from Scandi dramas where they throw a random person in that appears to have no connection and you think oh where's this going and it all ties up together the episode ends really weirdly with somebody going into an office. I had no idea what that was about, who she was. I was really, really disappointed by it because it had me, for the first 15, 20 minutes, I was really invested, really interested, but I got to the end and it, and I just felt like I, don't, I didn't understand it. And very rarely do I feel like that. I didn't understand where it was going. I didn't understand the police unit, the, the sort of profiler they've got didn't make a lot of sense to me. The subtitles, did, how did you watch this, Matt? I watched it on the telly. I watched okay. it at 9 o'clock last night. Okay, how did you watch it, Sarah? 
I watched it um, on the telly, um, but like pausing it on the iPlayer. Okay. Quite, quite hard watched, to say. I watched I, it on the iPlayer. Are you going to say the same thing as me? The, the subtitles, subtitles were huge. Were massive. Huge. Yes. Yeah. 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 It took up a third of the screen. I don't know whether that hindered my enjoyment. I was thinking that was one of the things I was thinking, being distracted by reading it, and were you missing the subtleties in the performances and stuff? Yeah. Because I haven't watched a subtitled drama for a while, and I was thinking, was the bridge like this? Was the killing like this? Maybe I just forgot. No, not at all. I thought that it was my fault because I was on the iPlayer, so I went to the subtitles bit and tried to make them smaller, but it was on the broadcast. No, I was watching it on the broadcast. Yeah, it was that. That Um, I've never been... Because you know that thing, oh, I don't watch subtitled dramas, I don't don't watch TV, I have to read. And I was really conscious of the size of these flipping subtitles and really aware I was reading it and it became... Mm. A chore yeah. for me. Also, um, I I talk about how subtitled dramas are the best in the world and I love them so much. And I would be mm. really disappointed if someone I had said, oh, watch this. That was the yeah. first time they came across subtitles. Mm. They'd be like, but Sarah, it's really annoying and intrusive. And, I, you know, it's not helping yeah. me enjoy the programme. I would be yeah. embarrassed. Bits mm. of it felt like it was out of order, like this scene didn't belong there and I didn't understand... I couldn't get a handle on who people were. I didn't understand the dynamics because they kept saying, we can't interfere with this because this is so-and-so's case. And I didn't know who the so-and-so was. And mm. Do you mind I just... if I take this one first, Luke? Because given that this is a, a Scandi thriller, yeah, this, couldn't, this couldn't be up more up my street if it moved in next door to me. Like, this was something I was so looking forward to. The adverts made it look so good. It was a true crime element, which everybody loves these days. It's fascinating to me. Like you were saying, it's a well-known case in Sweden, but in the UK, we don't really know what's happening. Mm. So we we bring that sort of, like, intrigued element. We watch it in a different way to a a, a Scandinavian audience. I was getting into it, and then suddenly we jump forward in time, and there's the sex worker's body... Somebody else dies in 1993. Somebody else dies in 95 and 96. I watched um, the second episode as well because the BBC were doing that thing where they go back to back. But mm. even if I'd not watched on and seen the second episode, I would be of the opinion that the show was trying to do way too much too quickly. Mm. We never really get the time to know anyone or connect with anyone with any of the characters, the victims, family, police, anyone. There are just too many stories to tell. Um, but but the, none of them were compa- like I couldn't tell you whose story I liked or no. It was just all over the place. It was kind of like being battered over the head with all of these terrible crimes. I think the um, the investigator Monica, the um, what you call her, the profiler. That's right. Yeah. Um, people online have said that that made them feel it was a little bit like Mind Mindhunter. Yeah, it's very clear. She just seemed very clear. I mean, you know, it was ninety three. Profiling was relatively new then, mm. but I just felt like she was extremely cliched in everything yeah. she was doing. Yeah, but through her eyes, the people who we actually get to know are the the psychopathic suspects, and they're the ones who we. I guess maybe it's a true kind of thing. We have a fascination with the murderer, but I, that's not how I want my crime dramas to be. I don't want to be. To, I don't want to know them better. They're not that fascinating to me. You know, I'd much rather get And we know, know it's the not them the because family. we've got the phone calls, haven't we? Yeah. So we know it's somebody yeah. else. That, and we yet can we're spending see the all mistakes. this time with, with 
somebody that it isn't. I thought you'd, you might like to know that I messaged my Swedish friend late last night to find out how to pronounce S-K-A-N-E. It's scone, apparently. <laughs> oh, don't get into the scone, scone, scone debate. <laughs> That's the county in Sweden, so I learned how to pronounce the A with a little circle over the top. Right. Well, you've learned something from it. I have, haven't I? So it wasn't for you is basically well, what you said. No, and like you say, disappointed because it on paper, it was absolutely for me. I don't know whether I feel an obligation to it because it is a real case to see it through, but I, it it is not... Even after the second episode, it's not drawing me in. Ugh, it's too I mean, good. It's, not the, it's not the story they were going for, but I, I immediately realised, oh, we're not we're not spending any time with this distraught family who've just lost the 10-year-old daughter. That's not going to mm. happen. Okay, fair enough. We're not doing that. And then all of a sudden, we're not spending time with the people investigating that. Okay, fair enough. You know, it was just all over the place. And I keep coming back to, why were those subtitles? I mean... Even if you wore long distance glass, I mean, who are they mm. for? No, no idea, no idea. It's just, it's uh, such a strange decision. Yeah. And I agree with both of you, really. I, I, I felt very similar. I, I think it's that we, we still need that central figure, and you know, that yeah. central officer. And I thought you need initially... an anchor, don't yeah. you? Yeah. And I thought initially, when it was the the Helen Nielsen murder, it was going to be that little podgy bald man. I can't, I can't find the character's name for love nor money. The one who seemed really overwhelmed. Oh, his, the, his name was Arn Spencer. You know, he didn't quite know what he was doing. He never had a murder case before. There were all these people coming to the police office with uh, the, the police station with tips. That felt like, oh, it's a different angle. You know, we've got this copper who doesn't know what he's doing. And suddenly then we've got another body. We've got a different investigating officer. And then, oh, it's four years in the future and we've got an, someone else and we've got this profiler. I liked the way it was shot almost sort of documentary-like. I thought that mm. was well, well done. But again, you know, the, the abiding theme seems to be without that character. It's just like we're eavesdropping on elements of the investigation and it needs that that front figure, like yeah. you know the ITV crime dramas we've mentioned. Um, when you were saying about how it was it was shot, mm. I must admit I thought it was very stylish that we saw each suspect in the vicinity of their supposed victim, and then it cuts to the next day, so that we as viewers have got no idea who they were killed by either. Mm. I thought that was that was really neatly done. I found it strangely disorientating though. Maybe it was that lack of a central figure. Maybe it was. He didn't have a Sarah Lund, or he didn't have a Saga Noran, or he didn't... I mean, they're all obviously fictional people, but he didn't have that hub, that detective who was doing mm. the cliché thing. You know, you brought it up, the investigation. You had the you had the, the guy from the killing at the helm there, and he was, again, the very dedicated officer. They did have that subplot where he put the case ahead of his family and becoming a, mm. a grandfather... You know, you knew who was in charge. You knew who you were following from the police, uh, and that gave you that that centre. Whereas mm. that this didn't have that. I know it, it sort of suffers from being an investigation over a number of years with a number of different victims, uh, so it's slightly harder to tell that story. But it just needed something a little bit more, and maybe it played better in in Sweden because they're aware of the case. But are we assuming that this case is so well known that they? They could make those literary jumps and people would just go, oh, I know this bit now. But just mm. with, our, with our lack of knowledge, it just felt 
really disjointed and all over the place i'm wondering yeah i think i think that's fair but that's that's poor storytelling then isn't it if you can't well at the end mm. of the day if it's a tv drama it has to play by some rules and it didn't in my view yeah it, it was didn't. just too unconventional for me so that is where we part company for with sarah not forever you know she's got things going on in her life but she'll pop back occasionally to talk to us about telly i am sure can they find you on twitter still oh they absolutely can i am at sarah hamstera pod my my podcast no <laughs> no don't go no. stealing our thunder oh but i like it i love thunder. Yeah. Um, yeah. my website is deadpixeltest.tv um where i am going to be shortly talking about um new comedies that you must see um have one I seen being, them? What are they? Uh, one being the second series of Back to Life. Uh, on my list. Is yeah. tremendous. Yeah, I like the first series very much. Um, and then Alma's Not Normal starts yep. soon on BBC Two. Of course, um, BAFTA award-winning pilot episode, which is not... You can't say that about many um, pilot. comedies. And it's... Yeah, it was it was perfect. I loved it so much. I cannot wait to see the series. When website. you do launch your podcast, Matt and I'd love to be guests. <laughs> basically saying. Well, I think I have to be a lot more um, tech savvy to do that. So you've got no competition. I don't think for me you yet. do. Luke's not. <laughs> I don't think you do. But don't make that a barrier for God's sake. <laughs> And yet you've been managing it this whole time for 10 years. Luke has to turn the tape over now to side B. Yeah, I do, actually. (laughs) I've got to stop here while I rewind some tapes and things. (laughs) Minus Sarah, we're going to talk about a new Hulu show that lives in the UK on Disney+. It's going to be there weekly. Currently, there are three episodes of... Only Murders in the Building, starring Steve Martin, his good friend Martin Short, and presumably their other good friend, Selena Gomez, uh, in this comedy drama written and created by, in some respects, Steve Martin, and the team, bizarrely, behind This Is Us. Matt, do you want to set up the basics of this half-hour comedy drama mystery podcast thing? I can't believe you said Hulu. Because that's my, my line. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> As you said, created by Steve Martin alongside John Hoffman. Martin plays a character called Charles Hayden Savage. He's an actor most famous for a 1980s uh, detective drama, uh, which I can't remember the name of. of Brosco or Brozo or something? Um, Brozo, that's it, I yeah, think, yeah. Brozo. He lives in the same building as Oliver Putnam, who is Martin Short's character. He's this really flamboyant director who has fallen on hard times, has a st- strange relationship with his family, as we learn. And he and Charles sort of know each other through the industry, but they've never worked together. The third character here is uh, Selena Gomez's Mabel, who is a young woman. She is living in uh, an apartment which belongs to her aunt that she's currently meant to be renovating. There's an early scene where all three are in the elevator together and have very little to do with each other. The building is evacuated and they all end up in the same restaurant. And it turns out that they're all fans of this um, true crime podcast, which is 
modelled on cereal. On all of them, really. On There's all so of them. many of them. The one that they, they're addicted to is called Everything Is Not Okay in Oklahoma, <laughs> with Tina Fey cameoing as the, as the host of it. And when they get back to the building, they learn that there has been a murder in the building, uh, which mm. leads to all three of them forming this unlikely crime-solving trio... How many of these did you watch in the end, Luke? Because there's there's three available at the moment. How many did you watch of this? I watched two, but okay. only because of time. You've seen Sting, so you've seen three. I've seen all three of these. Yeah, Sting lives in this building as well. <laughs> um, only Sting's in the building. Only Sting's in the building. I know this is going to spoil the joke, but there's a scene where Sting is riding in the lift with with Martin Short's character, and yeah, and he's got Martin Short's character's got this very active dog. The dog is all over Sting, and Sting's like, can you control your dog? And Martin Short says, Jackie, get down. Don't stand so close to Sting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love this. I thought this was fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Thank you, friend of the podcast. I think possibly because, you know, we've been watching very sort of darkly shot dramas. Having this be a bit lighter, a bit brighter, you know, Selena Gomez seems to constantly be wearing yellow in every scene or orange that she's in. The only thing you didn't mention, which is kind of pivotal, is that the three decide they so love crime podcasts that that's what oh, they're going to do. Oh, they set up a podcast, they're gonna, yeah. They're going to set up a podcast that Martin Short's character, although it's not explicitly said, Martin Short's character hopes will springboard into better things and yeah. get well, his financial woes the, under. The third episode, you do actually see that, that he goes to the Nathan Lane character who uh, was one of his spons- sponsored a lot of his shows and his musical uh, mm. which was a flop as we learn um and he goes back to him and actually by the end of the third episode they've dropped the first episode of the podcast oh wow uh, okay i got in the elevator with these two weirdos then tim got in the elevator approximately 12 minutes from now i will be murdered Tim Kono's death has been ruled a homicide, and apparently one of you jerk-offs did it. I can't stop thinking about this. Neither can I. We should do our own true crime podcast. We're gonna go down there and look around for clues. You wanna come? Do I wanna break into a dead guy's apartment and go through all his shit? Sounds like an afternoon. Right now, the only thing that matters is that there's a killer on the loose in our building. Oh, that is a very good line. Badly delivered, but a good line. Hot in here. Do we have to do this in a closet? The acoustics are better. And trust me, you need acoustics. I'm gonna pass out. Get the who, the how, the why, and the why now. Get get the, the what and the what? See, why would you say what? I never said what. There's no what. Shit just got super real. I think our list of suspects just got longer. Hold on! Get out of the building now. Exclamation point. Exclamation point. Oh my god! God. Help me, someone! Do you consent to being recorded? Just say anything to agree. No, please. Thanks, perfect. (laughs) We're gonna cut. Um, I like the emotion. Keep that. I kind of need you to enunciate better. Do you have anything? The crying is covering the dialogue. Oh, that's a good, that's a good note. Okay. When you're ready and action. And the fact that 
these are half an hour as well. It was quite easy to sort of digest. And, now, I came and, uh, away and I loved it, same as you, because I'm a, a human being with a love for television and stuff like this. But I thought Matt won't like it only because it does some stylistic choices that I've known you've not liked before. So there is a section in episode two where Selena Gomez chats to the corpse of uh, this guy that's been found in the building Almost, but not entirely like the flight attendant, which got on your nerves and you thought was all over the place. If that is going to be a consistent thing, her talking to the corpse, but yeah. I think it was this one, and they they do have these flights of fancy. In, yeah, in, that's exactly flights of fancy. In episode like, yeah. three, there is this where they're trying to sort of deduce who from the one of the neighbours, because they all hated this guy that died, who it could mm. have possibly been. There's this dream sequence where Martin Short's character is doing like a chorus line of all the neighbours and they're all in workout attire like they're auditioning for a show and, yeah. and he's sort of auditioning them as potential suspects. I don't mind it because it fits, you know, it is a, it's sort of a heightened it's idea. It's a quirky show it's, as well. It's a quirky show, but I think it's grounded by the character backstory. So... Watching this three as sort of a, a pilot gives you an idea. So Charles is very much a recluse almost, even though he still auditions for, for roles. He, you know, he tells Mabel that he's lived on his own for years. There, there's little bits which suggest that there might be something more to that. Someone asks him about a, a woman I'm not, I can't remember the name of now. I, I like the fact they introduce the characters as well in this way where you saw all three of them walking through New York yeah. and their different perceptions of it. I mean, in, in Oliver's case, you know, he is this very flamboyant character, but actually the, the bits when you pick away at him, he's basically put his career over over his family. And actually, if you watch that third episode, you learn a lot more there. You know, he's behind on his building fees. He goes to his son for money. I think that's in the second episode, isn't it? So, you know, he's putting on this front... And then in terms of in terms of Mabel, you know, there, there's a lot going on there. Her history with this building and her history with the... The only, uh, thing, I, oh. the only thing I didn't understand, why didn't she just say that she knew him? I didn't really understand why. There's bits of, bits of the characters I didn't quite understand. I think because the they've only just met. They don't know each other that well. And I think she thinks that it may sort of jeopardise her impartiality yeah. from solving this murder if she's got some investment in in it and especially as she may be seen as a suspect you're different to me so i'd seen trailers for this and i was like this looks right up my street and i read previews because i want i was so desperate for it to be good and i'm so thankful that it is it's like when we discovered barry really it just feels mm. like something i I've never seen, I can't predict. It yeah. made me laugh out loud on my own a lot. Yeah, and me the, too. The central trio works so well together, and I believe every moment they're together, it's a weird dynamic, but it just works somehow. Steve Martin and Martin Short are a They've got a shorthand, haven't they? They've got a shorthand. But, but you know, Selena Gomez is a bit of a revelation, mm. I think. And that's possibly why she wanted to do something like this, to sort of, you know, this is the kind of thing I want to do now. And, and you know, it, it depends how they stick the landing. Obviously, they did have the old Luke special at the beginning there, which is 
sort of two days earlier or something like yeah. that. So I'd forgotten about that, to be honest. Yeah. I was so invested, I'd forgotten Where that it started like We that. see the Mabel character there with another dead body, so we, we don't know who that is yet. But by the end of these three episodes, I think you've got a knowledge of these characters, mm. their vulnerabilities, how they like to be perceived. Yeah. You've got a murder mystery aspect to it. And as you say, it's incredibly funny. And I, really you know, is. I and charming, but not, yeah. but not, um, what's that word I like to use? Not, it's charming, but it's not cheesy yeah. or crawling. It's just got a real effortless charm to it. The three are so likable. It's just nice to watch. I mean, I found this with the White Lotus, but I know you disagree. It's just nice to watch something fun. And this has mm. actually got nice but, people at the heart of it. Yeah, so. and these, yeah, so these characters have got issues but you know they, they they clearly care about other people as well and and i think that comes you know the more you watch and what they've done quite smartly in this case is they put out the three as a taster palette i suppose and i'm really keen to finish the meal mm. no definitely i agree with you I, i've not really got a lot bad to say about this and i think you know it's it's something which wouldn't particularly have been on my radar, but I'm glad you pointed me towards it. And, and yeah, I've I'm been waiting keen for it for to, a long time. I've keen been to see to what happens. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I'm so pleased you liked it because it's not hap- doesn't happen very often, but sometimes I love things that you don't love and I want us to love things together. And Aww, this is one of those Luke, things. I love you too. <laughs> don't go that far, Matt. <laughs> It's charming, but it's not cheesy, this podcast. Okay, that has been this podcast. There will be another one that this won't be soon. Bye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. It's the most wonderful time of the year, Christmas. And what better way to get into the holiday spirit than with a Minky Couture blanket? Whether you're gathered around the tree with loved ones, roasting marshmallows by the fire, or just looking for a cozy way to stay warm on a chilly night, Minky blankets are the perfect addition to your Christmas festivities. With a wide range of festive designs and colors, you can find the perfect blanket to match your holiday decor or gift to your loved ones. So this Christmas, make your holiday even cozier with a Minky Couture blanket. Head to MinkyCouture.com now and find your perfect blanket, just in time for the holiday. Happy Holidays from Minky Couture.